Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Excellent. I uh, heard about a guy who was thinking, what should I get my wife for Christmas? So he asked her and uh, he said to her, darling, darling, what would you like for Christmas? Uh, and uh, that was a surprise in its own right. And, uh, and she said, well, nothing would make me happier than to receive a diamond necklace. So he bought her nothing. <laughs> you have to work through that. I know it's first thing on a Sunday morning. But um, anyway, the jokes are gone now because this morning our... Uh, our, our theme is rediscovering Christmas, but discovering joy and peace, and clearly telling jokes is not my forte, but um, rediscovering, uh, rediscover Christmas, but discovering joy and peace, uh, discovering joy and peace. I think joy and peace are, those, are two of the, those gifts that God gives that are really closely linked together, joy and peace. When you don't have much joy, I don't think there's a lot of peace often under the surface. But when you've got a lot of peace, then you will produce actually an expression of joy. Uh, this is so important because um, it's, it's not, this is not about happiness, though happiness is a consequence, I believe, of joy and peace. But discovering joy and peace is a really pretty important and foundational thing in terms of our Christian faith. And... Uh, what are the sources of frustration in life? Some of the sources of our frustration. And I was thinking to myself, I'm sure if I feel frustrated by certain things, you guys would, would feel the same. Um, anyone ever been in a situation where there's work rivalry or peer rivalry or competitive, that kind of competitive nature that wants to get one over on you? Uh, work rivalry can destroy the atmosphere in a workplace. It can become very, very frustrating. Work rivalry. You know, people doing things to your face or people doing things behind your back. People trying to get the upper hand. Um, the world is competitive and people are quite selfish. So work rivalry, a source of frustration. Um, anyone ever annoyed you at all? Anyone ever been annoyed by somebody else in this room? You ever had a time when you've been annoyed by people? Have you ever been annoyed by people and they know they're annoying you? And they carry on doing it anyway. And they know that it annoys you. In fact, you tell them it annoys you and they still do it. Perhaps you're sitting next to that person this morning. Who knows? Maybe the the person closest to you has annoyed you more than anybody else. Uh, But it's true, isn't it? Sometimes uh, we're annoyed by things accidentally. But sometimes we're annoyed by things and people do it very, very intentionally. Um, What about road rage? Anyone come across road rage? You know, that frustration that brews behind the, uh, the wheel of the car when, when people are under pressure. Um, when people are under pressure and they're frustrated. And actually, road rage is a symptom of something else that's going on inside, I think. I don't think it's always just the moment. What about critical people? People who've got a critical voice into your world. Who, who really, it's not about annoyance. It's not about road rage. It's actually about being critical, and they, they all come to you, and they'll be critical of you, and they'll say the nicest thing, but it can be in a critical way, or they can say the worst thing, and it criticizes, and it can go both ways. And I mean, does that take away your joy? Can that take away your joy? Can it take away your peace? What about offended people? Now, that's a dangerous one, because that goes right under the skin. Offense can go right deep down to, into someone's heart, and offended people can spill out and cause all sorts of tensions in people's lives. And um, lots of things. Now, 
these things I've got on the screen this morning are actually completely normal in life. All of these things are going to happen in life. All these things happen and actually happen regularly. These things are going to happen whether we like it or not. And sometimes these things can really get to you. They can really, in fact, you could end up being a carrier of these things. You might end up becoming one of these people once things start to go wrong in your life. And, and talking of joy and peace is such an important thing because God has given you and me joy and peace. He's given it to you. He's given us joy. But what do we do when we come into these situations? We allow others to steal the joy that God has put in your heart. Christmas, we're reminded of joy and peace. The Prince of Peace, the one who has given us the ability to have a life full of joy. I'd ask you this question. Do you feel like your life is full of joy right now? Where would you be in your thermometer of out of 100%? Would you be kind of 98% full of joy and just raring to go? Or do you think your thermostat would be a little bit lower? Maybe it's 50%. Maybe it's really low. Maybe it's down in the teens. Or maybe you're feeling like actually you're in negative equity on your joy scale. Who knows? But it's given by God. And the trouble is life doesn't really change. You're still going to find someone in your world who is a rival of yours in your workplace or in your college or in, who wants to compete with you and is picking on you as someone to compete with. You will always come across someone who is angry about something. Mr. Angry, Miss Angry, angry about something. And it boils over and it can get very nasty. You will always see critical people in life. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. And they will try to take the joy out of your life. They will do it. They will try and take what God has given to you. And if you're in a place today where your joy levels are just down, it's probably because you've allowed these situations to take from you. If you're a believer in Christ, if you've got God in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. If Christ is in us and you're feeling really down, perhaps you've come across too many of these situations. And actually what's happened is they've taken out of you. They've taken the joy out of your life. Maybe accidentally you've been allowing it to happen. Maybe you've been actually part of the problem that you've thought, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. If they've done it to me, I can do it to somebody else. That's not the standard by which we live. We don't live in that standard. We don't live in a world standard. If we play those games, then we will get caught in a place where our joy just disappears faster than you'll know. Because God doesn't live in that space. God doesn't dwell. The kingdom of God isn't strong in those places. He wants us to be the salt and the light to bring a difference. And the good news is that we can have God's joy and his peace in every one of those situations. The weakness in ourselves is when we allow ourselves to be pulled down and down and down. And then inevitably we become like it. That's not a good place to be. John 5, uh, 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that, you may, uh, that my joy may be in you and that you, your, your joy may be full. That my joy, I have said these things to you that my joy may be in That all links, by the way, to the vine and the branches. How God brings us into himself. That God brings us into his source. See, these other areas are not life sources. They're not sources. They're things that will kill you. 
There'll be the things that will destroy you. There'll be the things that pull you down. And before long, you're going round and round and round in frustration. Your joy is gone. If your joy is gone right now, if you're going round and round and round frustrated, and these sort of things are getting to you, if offense is getting to you, if annoyance with other people is getting to you, if criticism of other people is becoming your behavior, and you're being vulnerable and brought down by other people's criticism, you end up becoming part of the, the mess that the world is in. And God didn't say be part of the mess. He said, you dwell in the world, but be not of the world. Why? Because we have his joy in us, and we need to see his joy rise. If his joy is not strong in us, you'll be vulnerable to all this stuff. And you'll be speaking to one person, speaking to another. Your language will be frustrated. Your language will probably be critical. Your language will probably be complaining. But I don't understand. Why, why, why? Because your source has gone from you. And you're actually looking to try and compete at a much lower level the way the world does. But we're not of this world. Once we're born again, we're filled with God's Spirit that we may have joy. That Not only joy, but joy that comes from God Himself. Do you realize every person sitting in this room, the person sitting on your seat right now, has been given all the power of God to live a joyful and full of peace life. God's done it. So if it's being taken out of your world, why is it going out of your world? Is it because it's being taken out? Or are you just giving it away? Are you, are you just letting it go? Are you not seeing that God wants you to be strong in it? The whole point was that we'd be victorious through these situations. Why is Christmas so significant? Because God himself came as a man. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Why? So that we can live outside of all of that and not be drawn into it. Because we become victims then. All we do is we, we lose it. When we lose our joy, when we lose our peace, we become part of the problem. No one can take your joy from you, but you can give it away. You might be running on empty today, but you know you can do something about it. We can do something about it. We can say, no, my source is Jesus Christ. I'm not going to allow this stuff in the world to define who I am. Because God has given me something in my life that's greater than the world around me. And I can rise up in every situation. And if I'm starting to be critical, I'm starting to feel annoyed on a regular basis. You know, it's not just with one. It's going to be with everybody. It's not, that's the nature of these things. It's indiscriminate. These things are indiscriminate. If it's going on with one person or with another person, it's going on with everybody. Just at different levels. It doesn't take much to provoke the spark and set the fire going. So don't allow joy to be taken out of your life. And if it has been, find ways of rebuilding your strength in Christ to see that God wants you to be successful. So how can we change our life? Well, because we trust in the Word of God. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That's God's gift to us. That means in every one of those scenarios we just described, you can have peace. Peace of mind and heart. You can have peace. You don't have to compete. You don't have to have an opinion. You don't have to win. You don't have to be drawn into the lowest common denominator. You don't need to. There will be people in this world. The enemy will work through others. Others will just do what comes naturally to them, and they will try and bring you down. They'll bring you down. Why? Because, because they don't understand what you've got. But don't allow what the world wants to do to infect who you are. 
God wants you to have peace of mind and heart. Mind and heart. It's not just the thinking process. It's the heart. When the heart is unstable because of these things, pretty much everything is going to be in a dangerous place because the heart goes right to the core of who we are. And once stuff infects the core, you know, in my garden, I cut down some trees. I've got to say, I'm a guy who likes machinery. Any other guys like machinery, mechanical stuff, anything with petrol attached to it, and, you know, an engine? I like it. And during the summer, me and my neighbors, we cut down a couple of really big trees in my garden. It took us about five or six people to actually get that thing down. And slowly, I've been chopping that thing up. But, you know, if you leave the wood on the ground for too long, it starts to rot. The water gets to it. The strongest of trees will start to just rot. It just rots and rots and rots. And once it gets into the heart, once the wood is rotting through, it's useless. You can't do anything with it. It just carries so much of the wrong stuff. And, you know, we've got to make sure we don't allow the stuff that's wrong to get into us. We've got to make sure that we're protected. And how do we do that? By knowing that in our heart and in our mind there's peace, which is a gift from God. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You will never get a solution to the frustrations that have taken away your joy from the people that are taking the joy away. And there are people close to you. There'll be people connected to you. There'll be people you work with. And if they're the wrong people, they will make it worse. And you know, you know who those people are right now. Your minds are going like little computers. You're going, yeah, I know the people that do that to me. I know the people that bring me down. I know the people that don't build me up. I don't come away from them feeling like my joy has been increased. My my peace is stronger because I've spent time with them. My joy is at an all-time high because I spent... No, I've come away critical. I've come away offended by something. I've come away angry about something. I've come away feeling that I'm in competition with someone. I've come away feeling actually not good about anything. Why? Because whoever that voice is, whatever those voices are, they're taking off you something that Jesus gave his life to give you. He gave his life to give you access to his kingdom, to give you access to his joy and his peace. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Realize that there are people in your world that will try and take it off you. They will think nothing more than just saying, oh, you know, they may not even think about it, but they'll sap you literally of your life. And this is the stuff that makes you stable. Joy and, and peace are gifts directly from the throne of heaven. Happiness is mostly circumstantial. Joy and peace are foundational. Interesting difference in there. You know, when we are looking for happiness, people look for happiness in holidays, look for happiness in gifts, they look for happiness in the perfect relationship, they look for happiness in great exam results, they look for happiness in, you know, the, the latest deal done, they look for happiness in something that makes them feel good. So often happiness is a feel-good factor, but when the feel-good factor goes, suddenly, what am I left with? Joy and peace is in your core. Joy and peace is given by God to dwell in you. So that when the moments of happiness fade, because not every minute of every day is going to be full of happiness. It's going to be full of the challenges of life. Joy and peace will strengthen you. It's the joy and peace of God that will get you through. It's the joy and peace of God that will lift you up. It's the joy and peace of God that will set you on your purpose. Do you realize you lose sight of your purpose when your peace and your joy are removed? And then you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're doing. You're looking everywhere for answers. You're trying to get answers through friends. You're trying to get answers through people you kind of know, used to know, 
distant relatives. You're looking for answers everywhere but the source. Because the source is where joy and peace comes from. And out of joy and peace comes your understanding of your purpose. What an incredible thing. I mentioned last week about the Prince's Trust. Um, 16 to 25-year-olds, unhappier than they've ever been. And over the last 10 years, it's an all-time low in terms of the feel-good factor. And 27% are feeling hopeless. Why is that? Because everything's about whether I'm happy. You know, the internet age now and the, the social media age is, did I get my likes? <laughs> did, I, did I get as many likes as last year or last week? You know, did, have I got the latest little gif or whatever else it's called? I better not go into this territory because I'm not an expert at social media. But our value is so often defined by the world. And if we allow those areas that we showed on that first slide to begin to define us, then as soon as one of those voices comes in, your joy and peace goes, you feel like you've lost your confidence, you feel like you have no value. God says, I love you. God says, I gave my life for you, the person sitting on your seat. Why? So that you can excel in grasping his joy and peace. Out of that, you can get through every situation. You know, I got frustrated. I'm not saying that we don't get offended because once I really got badly offended. Is it possible that I could have got offended? I did once or twice. <laughs> but I'll tell you about why. And I was thinking I'll give it as an illustration for something completely different, how I was victorious. But I wasn't. I was actually really offended. I went over 20 years ago. We wanted to move house and we, we found a house. Whoever's been on a house hunt, you take ages trying to find that house. It's the one house. And you may have been looking through the papers. You may have been shuffling through or a flat or apartment. You're looking for what you want. That thing is what you want. And eventually you find it. And then you think, oh, I've got to get there. I've got to get there now. I need to go see it. And you get there and it's actually exactly what you want. And now it's, have I got the finance to pay for it? And uh, I had a situation that happened years and years ago. Over 20 years ago that happened. We found this house. We thought, oh, that's great. We need to move house. And, uh, and the estate agent said, oh, they'll make a decision in the next 48 hours. And I said, oh, great. We'll go to the bank and see if we can kind of get a bit more finance together to, to make that deal possible. In the meantime, they sold it. And I was so unhappy. I will tell you, I was really, really unhappy. The house got sold in that 48 hours. And I, I'd gone through all the trouble, gone spoke to the estate agent, oh, sorry, the, the mortgage and the lenders. I'd gone back to the estate agent and said, I can match what they want. He said, oh, it's been sold. I was not happy. I, I, ever been in that situation where you work hard for something? I was really, really... I, I, I've got to say, I had to go through a time of repentance and prayer, just even thinking about this. I was thinking, God, what difficult times have I experienced in the past? And when I remembered this one, that really got me. I thought, I'm right back there 20, 22 years ago. I need healing already. I need, I need restoration. But um, I was really unhappy. I'll tell you how unhappy I was. I went round to the house that got sold. I said, did you know that we put an offer in at your asking price? And they said, no. That made me even more furious. <laughs> what? The estate agent didn't tell you we'd give you what you wanted for it? No. Did you sell it at asking price? No. <laughs> now you're getting the feeling of what was going on inside of me. I'm going, that estate agent not only didn't do what he said he would do for me, he didn't do the best thing for the vendor. Now, now my blood's boiling. Now, now I'm boiling. So what, what am I going to do? I've got, I'm a godly Christian 22 years ago in a place of frustration. So what did I do? I went straight to the estate agent. 
I parked up outside the estate agent. I waited for every customer to walk out until the one guy was left in there. Because I thought, I've got to be careful here. I walked in, I confronted the guy full on and said, you betrayed me and you betrayed the vendor. I said, you didn't do what you said you did. And in the end, I just laid it out without swearing, (laughs) without losing it. But I was on the edge, let me tell you. And I said, a few things. (laughs) And I, I said, Never doing business with you again and walked out. But isn't it frustrating? You can, you can get offended by that. It takes time for that sort of stuff to go, go down. And it can, oh, all for the sake of the preach, I went and relived a, a dark moment in my history. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, God's good, isn't he? We've got the ability to pray and say, God, I'm really sorry I got angry. I was close to losing it, but I didn't. And praise God, there was no arson in that. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? God always sorts all these things out, doesn't he? He turns all things that are bad and makes them good. In the end, you get something better. How many times have you noticed that? We get a heart set on something, it gets lost, and we think we've lost it, but God's a God who restores. He always provides you with a better solution, and praise God, it's exactly what he did. Better price, better result. I thought, praise God, I'm a believer. I was always standing firm. (laughs) Life challenges. You cannot... Uh, You can't control how some people will treat you or what they say about you, but you can control how you respond. You can control. Now, I didn't do... Actually, I probably did do a reasonable job of self-control because I think if I was a nutter, I might have really done a lot of things that I could have really regretted. But, But the truth is... People can't take off you unless you let them take them. Like, take this stuff. You know, the Bible doesn't say, oh, you know, you're vulnerable to anybody to come along and take your joy, take your peace. No, no, no. You don't have to give your joy and peace to anybody. Your strength is the the joy and faith and the hope and the peace in your heart. That's where your strength is. The world will try and take it off you. And you just need to know when to share your joy and who to share your joy with. If it's people who just want to bring you down, remember God's called you for purpose. He's called you for a purpose that is way bigger than what you see in yourself. He's called you for a purpose that requires you to be strong in your joy and in your peace. If that starts to erode, you lose sight of the real source and you end up walking a journey which is unstable, uncertain, confused, frustrated, critical, and doing the very things that you are trying to avoid damaging your life. How we respond is our choice. But God is at working us, working us. Philippians uh, 2, it says, He is at work in us, His purposes to perform. He's working in us. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The word let is very important here because you can not let the peace of Christ work in your hearts. You can, for whatever reason, you can let your joy levels drop through the floor. You can feel frustrated. You can start to work out a plan, get your own back. You know, people who criticize you, people who, who want to take what you've got, people who are provoking you to do the things that really you don't want to do, don't waste time with them. They're always going to be there. Don't waste time with them. Choose not to. Don't get bought into that language. Don't get bought in. Say, no, no, I'm bigger than that. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. You can rise up above every situation. You know, at Christmas, I know we're remembering Christ, but we can get so caught up in the busyness, the family pressures. Who do I go with this year? Who should I, who've got got to get gifts for? All that stuff. It's one of the most pressurized times of the year, and you can lose your joy and your peace at Christmas because you're so busy trying to do stuff to kind of make it, to show everybody that you're in control. 
But actually you're not. You may be in crisis on the inside because your joy and your peace is gone. Let the peace that comes from Christ, let that peace rule in your hearts. Let it. The trouble is we don't let it. We say, no, I'm going to rule in my heart. I'm going to take over. No, no. You let Christ rule in your heart. Remember, you can rise above. A friend I used to work with years and years ago, I didn't really understand the comment, but he used to use the expression, get the moral high ground, Mark. I didn't really know what it meant, but I'd never heard it before. This is when I was a young guy in the commercial world. But I understood where he was coming from, I think. And it was, don't, you're not better than anybody else, but just pull back and realize there's something of greater value that you live for. And that's how I interpreted it anyway. And it really helped me. And I realized I don't have to get caught up in every conversation. I don't have to get caught up with people who are just pulling me down. I don't have to get caught up with people who just want to criticize. I don't have to get caught up with people who are just holding a fence. I don't have to. Who says I've got to? God doesn't say I've got to. He says protect your heart. God doesn't say you've got to put up with it. God doesn't say you've got to listen to every voice and every voice is of the same weight. He doesn't. He says, listen to me and set your eyes and your heart on me. People decide to hold opinions. You can decide to ignore them. Why should you listen to every opinion, especially when it's wrong? People can decide to be rude. You can decide to remain joyful. People can decide to be critical. You can decide to have peace. Because my peace I give to you. It comes from the source. The Prince of Peace has put his peace in you. If your peace is gone and your joy is gone, it's because you've let others steal it or you've given it to the wrong thing or you've not handled it well. Your destiny is way more important than you listening to every voice in your world. If you listen to every voice in your world, you'll be turned and tossed like a ship on the waves. You won't know whether you're going in that direction. What does a storm look like? A storm looks like... Choppy seas, and the seas take you up one minute, you're looking at the sky. Next minute, you're looking at the depths. Then it's throwing you sideways. Then it's rolling you over. That's the voices of this world. God has come so that we can have joy and peace. Why? Because it's the thing that makes you strong. It's the things that hold you secure in him. It's based on our faith, but joy and peace is God's gift to us. Look at Joseph's journey. You know, some things that go wrong, God allows them to happen so that we can test where our source is. And in Joseph's world, in his journey, in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. The trouble is, in the, when, when we're walking the journey of the turbulence of life, if we let those voices swamp us, and those, the waves come over our decks, if we allow it to sink us, it will destroy us. But if we can see that God is bigger than all of this, that God's joy and God's peace can cause you to rise up in every circumstance, whether you're betrayed by your brothers, whether you are condemned by Potiphar's wife, whether you are a victim in prison, God's strength can still be in your life. And in that strength, your purpose will be revealed. If you allowed yourself to be taken under and copying the patterns of the world and the way people take your joy and take your peace, you end up being like everybody else. But you're not like everybody else because God is in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. God wants us to rise up. Don't fight battles that distract you from your destiny. Don't fight them. Just say, no, I'm not going there. No, I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to listen to that critical voice. I'm not going to speak to or get involved with that offended voice. I'm not going to allow it to destroy my life. I'm not going to allow myself to be brought into that lowest common denominator because what that will do is bring my joy down and down and down and then your peace will drop and go down and then you're vulnerable 
you're vulnerable. Who knows that in the winter you catch more colds? Because you eat the wrong stuff, you live in hot rooms, and your environment changes, and before long you're vulnerable to a cold. You might just catch a cold in your areas of peace and joy. And God doesn't want you to go under. He wants you to run your race. And what does the Bible say? Run your race in such a way that you will win. And how do you do it? You say no to those voices. No to the criticism. No to those people who have got another opinion for your life. Most conflict is just distraction. Don't try to persuade or agonize for agreement. You don't have to win everybody round. You don't have to win the argument. You don't have to get caught up in the fight. Just say, my God is my strength. He is my source. He is in me. He is my joy. He is my hope. He is my peace. You can rise up through every situation. If your situations are getting you down, take a reset in your life and realize that God's come so you can have life and life to the full. Many are unable to uh, function properly in their calling because of the wounds and hurts that offenses have caused in their lives. They're handicapped and hindered from fulfilling their full potential. John Bevere, an incredible, famous, best-selling Christian book. You know, The Bait of Satan, it's a strong title. But people get caught in the trap of offense. They get caught in the traps of criticism. They get caught in the traps of, of annoyance. They get caught in all these worldly traps. Why? Because the enemy's working against you. Society doesn't want to see Christ in you and glorified. But Christ is in you, and he will be glorified through you as you rise up in these areas. Stay focused on God's calling. I was thinking about Nehemiah in the week, but Sanballat and Tobiah, they ridiculed Nehemiah. You'll always have a couple of people who want to ridicule you. You'll always have someone with a critical voice. You're always going to have someone who wants to destroy your joy and your peace. What did he do, Nehemiah? When he saw the people going down, he thought, I'm not going to be baited by these guys who are going to draw me into their issues. I'm going to focus my heart and my life on the kingdom of God, on God's plan. I know God is leading. I know God is guiding. God has called me for purpose and direction. It's unique to me. It's God's gift to me. He's given me joy. He's given me peace. And I'm going to walk in that. And I'm not going to allow the voice of anything else to stop that happening. And what do you say to the people when they were down? Because many people go down under these things. They feel they're brought down, they're drained. They feel like, what have I got to live for because of all this negativity that's going around? And Nehemiah came out with a classic, legendary, historical statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you realize it? If you've got no joy, you've got no strength. If you've got no joy in the Lord, where is your strength? You've lost it. And you're tugged from left to right, up, down, backwards and forwards, trying to solve it with your head. If you haven't got the joy of the Lord in you, then everything will go wrong. Other things will go wrong. Other issues will pop up. Read it in Nehemiah. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I always used to think of meekness as being weakness. It's not. If you look up the definition of meekness, meekness is not weakness. It's patience under provocation from others. It's exactly what we're talking about. Patience under provocation from others. If you're patient when others provoke you, when you're patient when others just want to wind you up, when you're patient and you trust God, that's, a, that's not weakness. That's strength. That's incredible strength. That's strength that can overwhelm any situation because you'll stand strong when others go on to their next victim. It's not weakness. Patience under provocation from others. Blessed are the meek, for they'll do what? Inherit the earth. 
anything is possible when you stand strong, patient, under provocation. Don't buy into it. Don't let your life be caught up with the negative voices, the the reasons not to enjoy life, the reasons not to trust God. Don't get caught up with it. That's That's a strategy from the enemy. It's an enemy strategy to destroy your confidence and your peace and take away your joy. And if it's gone, you can rebuild it. God will defend you. You know, the Israelites were chased by the Egyptians. Incredible story of God pulling people out of what was bondage into the future, into the promise, into the future that God had got planned for them. And in it, they're being traced by the Egyptian army. They're on their way into their destiny and they're being chased by the army. And when you're en route to destiny, you'll be chased by the enemy. You will be. On your route to destiny, you'll be chased by the enemy. You know, the enemy doesn't go for people who are inactive, not doing anything, lazy, just letting things do their own thing. The enemy will always go after the people who are making a difference. The people who stand strong in their faith, who rise up in difficult situations, they're the ones the enemy goes for. They're the ones that people outside and in your world will will try and uh, go for. So be strong. And this is the amazing thing that Moses said to the people. Don't be afraid. This is in Exodus 14, 13. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch. That's peace. Stand still and watch. You see, God will defend you. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Do you see how God works things through? The enemy you see today will never be seen again. You just got to be strong in your faith in Christ, strong in your identity that says, I'm the son or daughter of the living God. He's filled me with his joy and his peace. And I've got a purpose and a call. And I'm not letting anything destroy me in the journey of understanding what that is. Don't be upset by others. It will sap your strength. You will give them control. You do realize that. Once the voices come in of, of aggression and anger, it's all control. It's, all, it's another voice trying to control your world. You do know that. That when there's road rage, that's someone trying to control you from their car. When you've got someone in a competitive situation in your work and there's a fight going on, they're trying to control your destiny. You know, when people are critical of you, they're trying to control you and to make you feel less than you are. It's all about control. These things are rooted in control. Don't be upset by others. It will sap your strength. And control, they will try and take control out of your life. But you have got to give your control back to Jesus Christ, back to the Holy Spirit. You've got to discover that he is the one who needs to be in control, not the voices, not the complaints, not the offenses. Don't let others derail you. You know, I've got a a picture of someone that is not someone I know, but it reminded me, again, of a really interesting situation that happened years ago. And I was really struggling. Lord, when did difficult things happen at certain points? And I remember this one about, about, yeah, 23, 24 years ago. A guy I was working with came from a very wealthy family in America. I was working with him. He was, you know, tall, good-looking, smart. He didn't need to work. His family had so much finance. And as a result, his life was arrogant. Um, his arrogance made him really difficult to work with. I don't know if you've got people in your world where arrogance kind of comes across, but, but he was arrogant and he used to wind me up. He, was, he, was just, he used to get inside me and he used to think, Lord, do I really have to work in this environment with this person? And I, I just thought this person is just self-centered, arrogant. 
it was starting to pull me down. I was losing my joy. You know, I thought, God, you, you say pray. When you're in a difficult situation, just pray. Pray and ask God to come in. Ask God to be your strength. Ask God to restore your joy. Ask God to restore and make you strong. It, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it, you can't work it out. You can't solve it because the human mind can't solve godly things. If you try and solve godly things, you start to become like God. And you weren't meant to be God. You were meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a son of God, a daughter. You're meant to know him and walk in him and do the right things. And when you do that, joy and peace returns. And that started to happen to me. Lord, you know, and this is the true story. In one sense, it's very alarming because that guy who used to really bug me, really annoy me, had a huge car accident. He was in a car. He fell asleep at the wheel. The car rolled over. And he was in hospital for months and months and months. And I thought, Lord, you surely didn't answer my prayer by, <laughs> by that outcome. And I, I, just, I just trust that God is, doesn't do that. But anyway, my problem went away. And I thought, well, what's it going to be like when he gets back? Anyway, a few months later, he did come back. You know, he totally changed. He had that kind of dose of realization that actually life is fragile. You've got to value those things that are important in your life. We became really good friends, let me tell you. So in an extraordinary way, God brought joy and peace back to my relationship with him. And maybe today, joy and peace is lacking in your life. You know, the Bible gives us loads of tools to restore our joy and peace. I'm not going to go through all these this morning, but there's many. And this is just some of the ways in which joy and peace can be restored to your life. God's plan is that you achieve the purpose for which he's called you. Not to be someone who has to defend yourself left and right against this sniping attack and that criticism and that offense. God, doesn't, God didn't come to earth to, to just watch you go through defense after defense after defense after defense and, and fight accusation and fight criticism. That's not what it's about. It's joy and peace in every circumstance that gets you to rise through. If you want to build your joy and find peace, Trust in salvation, 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. You believe in him are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. When we truly believe, when we know God, it says in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence. Perhaps we're not in his presence as much as we really should be. Others think we are. You may let others think you are. But actually you're vulnerable because you're not in his presence as much as you need to be. You know, maybe you've been in a time where you have betrayed someone you know or you love. Maybe you've had an affair. Maybe you've actually willfully chosen to sin in your life. Maybe you've done that. You know, I was reminded by Psalm 51. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restoration of joy comes through recognizing sin. When we recognize that sin has taken a foothold in our life and we can do something about it, to, to take away the power of sin. And how do we do that? We come to God and, and we genuinely, sincerely say, look, it's my fault. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. An incredible, incredible psalm. We can, we can find enjoyment and discover joy when we give, when we encourage others, when we're filled with the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. They're fruits. They're in us. The enemy and others will just, the world will try and sap you of your strength, sap you of your ability to see your purpose. And if you're confused about your purpose right now, is it because the joy levels have dropped? Is it because your peace has dropped? And maybe it's a cycle. Maybe it's going round and round in circles and you're frustrated, confused, sapped. 
frustrated, confused, a critical voice. Frustrated, confused, an offense. Or you hear somebody else's offense and you, you take on their offense. Or you take on their criticism. And you think, oh, maybe that's true. Maybe that's why I'm not in a great place. Maybe that is true. It's not true. It's, a, it's all a lie. The truth is our source is Jesus. The truth is our source is his joy and his peace. You can get through every storm when you know his joy and his peace in your heart. You can get through everything. In troubled times, when you understand that, James 1 and verse 2 makes sense. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's why that verse doesn't make sense to an unbeliever. But when you know that actually there's an opportunity in the biggest trouble to be strong, in joy and peace, and you can rely on God to get you through. You just trust Him. Don't try and fix it. You just trust Him. Just trust Him. And God's Word is always our source. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words become for me a joy and the, the delight of my heart. You know, we got a Christmas giveaway over the last couple of weeks. And uh, by faith, we're giving. This isn't just a routine. This is a faith thing. We're going to watch the, the doors in in cap expand and open great to see Lydia do the cap program and launch out a new course in January you know and there's other great things that are going to happen with cap this year but in Lebanon you know there's a a medical tour happening in in the end of February if there's any doctors or nurses um, the team in Lebanon are organizing a medical tour because part of what we do out there or will be doing out there is linked to medical provision um, providing clin- clinical support to those Syrian refugees. But, you know, giving is a way of expressing and discovering God's joy. Even the Macedonians in Scripture were called people who gave generously despite their extreme poverty. Because what were they doing? They were overflowing with their joy. Their joy will get you through everything. So what do we say today? What really matters? Things that upset us, many things will upset us, but they don't really matter. If you had one month to live, where would you spend your time? Would you get frustrated by the road rage guy? No, you wouldn't. Would you be upset when someone offended you in the office? No, you wouldn't. If you had a limited time to live, you wouldn't waste your time getting caught up in the affairs of this world, the criticism, the doubts, the voices, the negativity. Most things that frustrate us are actually potentially a blessing. You know, you get frustrated with work. Maybe your family are frustrating you. Maybe I'm frustrating you. But you know what? God works everything for good to them that love God. And look at Joseph's life. He went from prison to palace through frustrations. You know, some people don't have jobs. Some people don't have, can't have a family. Some people can't go to church. They would give their right arm, literally, to be able to do what you do, to have what you have. When you're frustrated at work, remember, there are people who don't have a job. There are people who don't have what you've got. You know, when times are tough, remember, there are those who don't have what you have. You don't have access to our amazing worship team that we had this morning. They did a fantastic job, as they always do. Didn't have access. You know, there are people in this world who just don't have access to the things you and I have got. And we get down by it. And we don't, don't do it. Don't let it frustrate you. Live in confidence. Most things that seem lost are not what really matters in the light of eternity. Look at this from Habakkuk. He reflected... Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. All the other stuff actually doesn't matter 
in the great scheme of things. They affect us, but you can't let it bring you down because you've got a calling and a purpose and your joy and your peace will get you through the most difficult times. Worship team, come and join me. Isn't it exciting that God, God has got a plan. God has got a plan. And his plan is going to be worked out through you and me. His purpose is going to be worked out through. Don't let those voices bring you down. Your joy and your peace will give you power to fulfill your destiny. Let's stand now. I'm going to pray and then the worship team will take us through our time of a song actually. And we're going to go straight into communion. Maybe today as we come to communion, maybe joy and peace have gone. Maybe you know that you need a top up. Maybe you know that God... Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your peace. As you come to communion this morning, as you come to communion, just help yourself. There's gluten-free, I believe, on this table. Just take a piece of bread, dip it in. And thank God for his joy and peace. Thank God it's his gift to you. It's his gift to you to get you through all these storms of life. It's his gift. Don't let anybody take your joy. Don't let anybody take your peace. Don't let anybody take from you what God has given you. Choose to give your joy to people. Choose to give your peace to people. Choose to do it in a way that will honor God and honor yourself. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, that we've reflected on joy and peace. Thank you, Lord, that you have put a foundation of strength. Lord, joy and peace are foundational. Lord, happiness is circumstantial. But Lord, help us, Lord, to not live in that place of happiness, but live in that place of joy and peace that gets us through the good times and the tough times. And as we come to communion this morning, Lord, we want to honor you, Jesus, because you have made this possible. We are celebrating your death and your resurrection right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.